While you want to keep the child warm bed to sleep. While well, I didn't want to believe it, of course. I loved their music and I wanted to be able to continue to enjoy it. Oh, it hurts me so much. That's Emma. Emma identifies as gender non-binary and uses they, them, and she, her pronouns. They live with their family in Menlo Park near San Francisco. They're 17 now, but they were 15 at the time of this story. Welcome to Queer Public, the podcast about real-life queer life. Today we're asking, what is the responsibility of public figures, especially those who appeal to our queer youth? Because we look up to those figures for guidance and inspiration, we celebrate their work, their art and their actions, and queer kids need that. They need people to look up to to figure out who they want to be. We also know that when you're 16, you love your idols with your whole heart. A quick word before we get started. This story is at times joyful and at times heartbreaking, but it also deals with sexual misconduct and you need to take care of yourself. So if hearing stories about sexual assault will upset or trigger you, maybe skip this one. See, what happened is I got very into Power Bottom. They were sort of like all of my music and I did a little bit of research into other people that were like them, but I never found anyone that I connected to on quite the same level. It was around October, I believe, of 2016. A friend of mine saw the Power Bottom Tiny Desk concert with NPR and shared it with me. And so we both sort of became really big fans at that point because, I mean, it's a really fun video. I mean, a lot of what made them attractive was their like live performance. So I wasn't like, oh, this is the type of indie music that I like. It was more attracted to the lyrics and how genuine it all seemed. There are a lot of people I know that like were really just into the music, but there was a whole other level with how they performed and who they were definitely performing for. Like they were definitely performing for the queer community. Ben Hopkins and Liv Bruce met at Bard College and formed the garage punk duo Power Bottom. In 2015, they released a hit album called Ugly Cherries. Pitchfork called the album a collection of, quote, complicated statements on what it means to be young and queer and confused and somehow othered, unquote. Ben was, they used any pronouns and Liv was exclusively they, them. And by the end, Ben was basically they, them. And Liv had started identifying as they, them, or she, her. The fluidity of all of it was really what interested me. The way that one day they could be wearing, like as a band, they could be wearing like pants and a baseball hat, but then the next day, like wearing glitter and a crazy dress and 
wild accessories, just the way that gender and its restrictions that are sort of internalized by most people uh, in their youth, those restrictions don't really matter. That was where I discovered a lot of how I fit into society and how I don't fit into society um, and society's ideals about gender. Power Bottom had a very specific aesthetic. To give you an idea, in their NPR Tiny Desk concert, Ben wears a red dress, a face full of face paint, and a mess of flowers in their hair. Liv on drums wears a vintage floral button-up, long earrings, and bright pink lipstick. And this was a part of their appeal. They played with the coded genders of their clothing and accessories. They were coming to... San Francisco. So I was like, we have to go. So I get my friend that showed me the Tiny Desk concert and my aunt to drive us. So we go up to San Francisco on the day after the 2016 election results came out. November 6, 2016. Donald Trump is elected president of the United States. It was not a hopeful day in the least, definitely. Um, and their gear had been stolen the night of the election. So we were like, oh, they're going to cancel it for sure. But they borrowed gear from some local bands and the show went on. Definitely seeing them making this show happen for all the people that paid for it and definitely on this day sort of needed the music. So the tone of the show was definitely defiant. I felt like we were all there listening to this queer-based music for the reason of being together in a community that didn't want to feel alone at this point. So it definitely made my experience coming to terms with Trump and all of the political everything a lot better because I could sort of look back to that and say, oh, well, at least I have this community of people that's feeling the same way and that will still support each other no matter what. So at the beginning of Power Bottom shows, Ben gets up on stage and does this whole thing about consent and about being aware of the space you're taking up and about being mindful of the people around you. They declare each Power Bottom show a safe space. This happens at every show. Here's tape from one of them. So I just want to say before we rock that our shows are safer spaces shows. This means that it's great for everyone to sing along and do crazy shit, but be respectful of other people's bodies in space, all right? I went to the concert, and I think no more than a month later, I recorded my first cover of their songs. One, two, three, four. I covered their song, I Want a Boy, uh, which is one of their most popular songs, definitely. 
And I put the lyrics through a ton of layers of Google Translate, Spanish, French, Portuguese, Latin, and Russian or something like that. And then spit it back out into English. And it sounded really funny. Ben sees it, quotes the tweet, and I believe says, this so fucking good. And then people start retweeting it. And then I believe Liv was the first one to follow me. And then Ben followed suit after. And, oh, it was incredible. And so, as any other person would do when they get noticed one time, you do the same thing again and hope for the same result. Luckily, they continued to find it funny. Ben DM'd me and they said, Emma, you're a genius. It was like every kid's dream of like actually knowing their favorite band. They actually talked to me personally. kids all over the country are doing covers. YouTube is full of them. This is a video of Eden Hain performing See You Around. They're sitting in a pink bathtub with string lights and a lava lamp. Eden's playing a pink Fender electric guitar and has big glasses and a head full of curly blonde hair. It's about the sweetest thing we've seen on YouTube. These videos are a perfect example of just how much these queer kids identified with the music. It's a form of flattery to perform a song you love, the very best that you can, hoping your favorite band will see it. Tweet this to Liv and Ben, the caption reads. So it's also a hugely vulnerable thing to post a cover to the infinite audience of the internet. You can hear that at the end of Eden's tape. While kids like Eden are singing their hearts out, 
Emma is preparing for their next Power Bottom concert. I believe I saw that there was a second show sometime in the new year because it was in mid to late February. So with my friend again and my aunt, we got all dressed up again because that's what you do when you go to see Power Bottom. I stepped it up in the second show. It was a complicated look, I remember. It had a lot of moving parts. I had another glitter beard, smudged fun eye makeup, Lisa Frank stickers pasted onto my face. There was definitely rhinestones involved. My hair was in like two space buns on top of my head with glitter in the part, pink hoop earrings, a jean jacket covered in pins, a nightgown, technically, that I got from Savers. It was a good time. <laughs> they are pretty active with their fans, or they were. They would come out and greet people, take pictures. And then Ben comes out after Liv and sees me and, I shit you not, actually falls to their knees and like bows at my feet. Like, what? Like, I worship you, but you're doing that to me? This is crazy. And they actually as a souvenir from the show, take off the dress that they wore during the show and give it to me. Which is like, what? Like, I remember in the car home being like, this is theirs. Like, I'm not supposed to have this. The album is scheduled to come out May 12th, and everything is leading up to the release. The music is released by NPR a week before it's set to be available for purchase, and right before a national tour kickoff. If you're a super fan, you've already heard it and memorized the lyrics to sing Front Row. It's a great album. Like, as much as I really hate to say it, it was a super powerful album, and it covered so many like awesome queer topics and oh it hurts me so much that it can't be as influential as it should have been it's a thursday morning and right before my class started i get a dm from molly woodstock and it's the original post on that diy chicago facebook group detailing the allegations and my heart drops like sinks all the way to my feet in the post molly sent emma a community member calls ben a known sexual predator and perpetrator of several assaults and calls for a boycott of power bottom shows and music the Post mentions a slew of other offenses committed towards members of the queer community. An article goes up on the Jezebel website 
featuring a detailed account of the incident from the accuser. So I'm rapidly, before this class starts, trying to figure out more. Like, I need to see, have they posted anything? What's going on? What are other people saying? Is this true? And then the class starts. The day of the allegations, I made a post on Twitter saying basically, hey, this has been a really terrible day. I recognize the importance of consent. If anyone needs to talk about what's happened today or get more information, please DM me and I'll do what I can. And basically, I spent the rest of my day talking to a bunch of sad queer people who were basically like, I feel like everything I learned from them isn't okay anymore. So I'm basically dying of anxiety this whole day. But when it really became real was when their statements were released. Ben and Liv release a statement on the Power Bottom Facebook page. We're going to leave links to them in the show notes, but essentially the statement acknowledges the severity of the claims against Ben and explain that they've set up an email address for other survivors to come forward to, quote, have a voice and claim that Ben won't have access to it, but they're in search of a mediator to help manage the messages. Ben and Liv's attempt to create a forum for the conversation is completely misguided. It's not clear whether they had any sort of legal advice here, but asking victims of assault and sexual misconduct to come forward for a public mediation, it's off key. And the community knows it. It's like a mix of them trying to be sincere with a whole ton of legal BS. First, I was like, what? What? Like, sort of world crumbling. But I sided with the victim because that's that's the only thing you can do when someone is in a position of power and they obviously have the option to lie and silence this person. You can't ignore their side. You have to believe them or else... Nothing's ever going to get done. I think the thing that a lot of the media grabbed onto was the flip-flop from being so adamant about a queer safe space and then flipping completely to everyone being able to see that they don't practice what they preach. It was difficult for me to grasp because it was like, a whole part of myself that I had based a whole part of my identity off of basically just crumbled, which is a terrible feeling. And now here we are, a bunch of sad queer kids with no one to look up to anymore, is how it felt at the time. It was sort of horrible to have to tell your friends about. It was basically my job to inform them all of what had happened and what the best course of action was to do. So I had to be like, hey, there have been some recent allegations of sexual misconduct uh, in relation to Power Bottom. So I've decided to stop supporting them as artists and people. The opening bands for the upcoming Power Bottom tour drop out. 
the New York City release show is canceled and Salty Artist Management drops Powerbottom from their roster. On May 13th, Polyvinyl Records tweets that they will, quote, cease to sell and distribute Powerbottom's music, unquote. They offer full refunds and even make donations to programs against sexual violence. Ben releases a second statement a week later on May 18th. Again, this is taken from the Powerbottom Facebook page. Essentially, Ben's post says, and I'm paraphrasing, This has been hard on me. I figured out who it was. I didn't have the same experience. I believe victims. I feel like I'm checking myself. And then he says, and I quote, I strongly contest the account put forth in the Jezebel article, unquote. Liv chimes in to say that the person did come forward to tell Liv beforehand, but in order to respect her wishes to protect her identity, Liv didn't tell Ben. The final message from the two of them, thank you to the people that are standing by us, and we want nothing more than to be playing music again. The end. But they never do. The album never drops. The tour never happens. Ben and Liv never play another live show again. For all intents and purposes, Power Bottom is canceled. I don't want content out there in the world supporting them, so I decided to go back and take down most of my tweets relating to them. That was probably like a month after all the allegations had surfaced and everything, and everyone had decided almost unanimously to drop them as people. What was really a bummer is I then stopped and since have stopped basically playing the ukulele. I remember after the allegations surfaced, I went to like this open mic night at this theater company that I'm a part of. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll just play something on my ukulele. And I was like, every song I know on the ukulele is a power bottom song. Hmm, Maybe I won't perform. My life was like devoid of music. I didn't want to listen to anything else. I was like depressed about the whole thing. I didn't feel like I wanted to jump back in, but everyone was at that point making lists of like queer musicians that aren't horrible people. And a lot of people did find solace in finding other people to listen to because there are so many amazing artists out there that it'd be silly to only listen to one. And remember, all of this is pre Me Too movement. The queer community stepped up, held strong, and successfully made sure that Power Bottom would benefit no further from their status as public figures. The best thing about the whole situation was the way that the entire community that used to support them decided to come together and hold them accountable for what they'd done and didn't just let them get away with it. I think it allowed everyone to still feel like they had a community and it allowed the whole magic of what they had created through their music to stay intact just with the toxic part pushed out. The queer DIY scene took care of each other in those days after May 12th. Queers talked online, 
and in social spaces and would come to understand how the abuse of power could happen. They processed the lengths Ben took to gain access to queer spaces and to make fans feel safe, leaving them vulnerable to abuse. Alternate lists of queer bands were published and shared widely to fill the void Power Bottom had left behind. Teens like Emma held space to comfort their peers. Artists and activists spoke out publicly and condemned Ben's behavior. And that's what we should celebrate. A community that stood together. Let's celebrate the way we will continue to work together, show up to events and protests, and participate in queer culture. Let's celebrate that every day. This episode was inspired by conversations with Molly Woodstock, the creator and host of the amazing podcast, Gender Reveal. I listened to a conversation between former Power Bottom musician Nicholas Cummins and Molly on this subject. The link to the Gender Reveal episode will be in our show notes. This episode was produced by Aaron McGregor and was edited and sound designed by Ariana Martinez. Our music supervisor is Homo Ground's resident expert on queer music, Lynn Casper. We heard music from Chris Zabriskie, My Starling, Emma Denend, Eden Hain, Supernova, and Foxglove. Special thanks to Molly Woodstock for your incredible dedication to the queer community and to the very talented Emma. If you love Queer Public and you want to compensate us for making this show, visit our Patreon. Rewards start with as little as $5 a month and you can join our chosen family. You can even get access to our secret Instagram account. You can find transcripts of the show at queerpublic.org and sign up for our rad little mailing list. Next on Queer Public. I think something about being like a queer, non-binary, asexual spectrum person in the world in their late 20s is that it is really difficult for me to find someone who I feel like really represents the way that I see myself. Like so, so rarely do I see true representation of myself. And like we could argue that this isn't true representation of myself because like this is for the character a man in a straight relationship but I just think emotionally it was like such a pure representation of myself like it was just so powerful to see myself emotionally in a character in a way that I like literally don't know if I've really ever experienced before I'm your host Aaron McGregor thanks for listening <laughs> <laughs>